Namaste from India. Chalo India is a podcast about India and all its diversity. It is meant for everyone who is interested in this huge subcontinent and wants to know all its facets. I'm Sarah from Germany and have been living in India since 2009 as a volunteer, yoga teacher, tour operator, mountaineer, traveler, friend and girlfriend. Let me take you on a journey to India. And who knows, maybe one time you will visit beautiful and colorful India yourself for real. Namaste from India and welcome to another podcast episode from Chalo India. Today, me and Ketan are talking about religion in India. It's a huge, huge topic and me and Ketan tried to give you the best possible overview. I just want to give you now a very short introduction. India is kind of the land of religion. Four religion, namely Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism and Sikhism, originate in India. We have almost 80% of Hindus living in India. We have almost 1% of Buddhists, a little bit less, 0.7. Then there's 1.7 Sikhism and a small number of Jains, 0.5%. And obviously... Um, in regards to the population of India with over 1.2 billion people, it's still a good number. We get more into detail into these religions, into these four religions, obviously, when I'm talking with Ketan about it. We have also the Islam. This is the second biggest religion in India with 14.2%. Then there is Christianity, 2.3%. And a few others. One of them is the Parsi religion, so Rastrasium, if I pronounce it correctly, I'm so sorry. Only a few thousand are here, but it's the biggest number of Zoroastrianism in the world. We have them in India. So obviously Hindus make the biggest number of people in India. They are almost spread all over India, over the whole subcontinent. Most of the Buddhists we find up deep in the Himalayas. We have the Sikh religion in the Punjab region, mostly around the Golden Temple in Amritsar at the border to Pakistan. Christians, we have a few in South India, especially in Kerala, but also in the Northeast state. These people are mostly, or a lot of people of them are Christian or tribal people. We have obviously also lots of nature religion in India. And then we have the Muslims. They are almost all over India, a little bit more in South India, in Kerala, in Andhra Pradesh, in, in Delhi but especially in Kashmir, up again in the north. And yes, the giants are also all over in very, very small numbers. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. I wish you lots of fun. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me anytime. Thank you so much. Namaste. Hello, Ketan. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> Today we have a, have a very big topic, religion. And it's okay. especially a very big topic 
because there are just so many religions in India and even four oh. religions which um, originate from India, which is um, right. quite exciting. So because I know it's such a big topic, I think for today mm -hmm. we should not go too much into depth, but rather give an overview. And then one could mm -hmm. make single, single podcast episodes about the specific religions, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. India is called to be a secular state. What does it mean? Do you know? A, a secular state? Yeah. Should I tell you what yes. it means? Why <laughs> do you know what it mm -hmm. means? It means that mm -hmm. India is... Neutral regards any religion. So it's not yeah. a religious state, but every religion in India is allowed and everyone can live the religion out freely in India and it doesn't yeah. um, matter basically. So do you want to tell yeah. us which four religion originate actually from India? Yes, yes, Sarah. I mean, uh, you rightly mentioned it that it is a very uh, important. It is a very important uh, subject today and which has been always, I mean, important. But in today's world, in the modern world, I think this has become uh, a big problem as well because religion is the biggest problem mm -hmm. which we encounter in today's world. Mm -hmm. But in India, the scenario was completely different. I mean, from the beginning, because India was never a religion of, uh, I mean, it was never a land of religion. Mm -hmm. Because when we are talking about religion, we talk about a particular belief system. Yeah. Because in religion, we believe something. But as we are aware that India has always been a land of, uh, we use the word actually Sanatana Dharma. Mm -hmm. Which is like uh, the word Dharma here, it doesn't mean the same uh, meaning in English like a religion, but it is like a uh, kind of. Uh, uh, your deeds. Like you're I talking mean, uh, about Sanata Dharma, like eternal law. Yes. This is kind of the yes. former yes. cultural system, um, rituals or be a belief system, which then kind of became Hinduism. Yes, that is true. So Sanatana Dharma was the first word which, uh, which was being used in this land. So Sanatana is like eternal law, or mm -hmm. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. how the things uh, worked and all. Mm -hmm. But slowly, slowly, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, same here. We believed, I mean, in the religion because it it was an easy, easy, easy path to follow for people. Mm -hmm. Because when you come in seeking, that means you don't believe anything, but you want to experience everything. You want to experience everything yourself. Mm -hmm. what is true, what is not true, what is real, what is unreal, and uh, in that way. So I think that is the way, uh, because that's why you said, as you mentioned the word secular, and this is uh, rightly said, India has always been a land where every religion is allowed. You are allowed to keep your religion, and uh, there is uh, there used to be no problems and all. So uh, because this was the root, this was the base, this was the foundation of Sanatana Dharma. Where 
being in sanatana dharma you can follow your own uh, for example yesterday we were talking about caste you can have you can live in your own caste even in the same way you can have your own religion if you believe in god you uh, i mean uh, you are uh, always welcome in sanatana dharma if you do not believe in god then also you are okay with that and uh, so if you are living a life of a monkhood if you become a seeker it is completely okay so spirituality and adhyatma was the main thing mm-hmm. right so with but slowly 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 uh, as the like uh, time passes and passes by so we can also see that there were so many uh, dogmas and misinterpretations which came in yeah what is always so happening latest, yeah yeah this is still it's still it is happening so in the same way some of the great souls uh, like buddha he never probably he never believed in a god so he just he became a seeker and he just went outside and meditated in the forest and he he encountered he was encountering all the problems uh, a human being is facing mm-hmm. right he was born as a prince he had everything so but he was not ready to uh, follow a particular belief system or faith what he was been given mhm mhm and so then he, buddhism he was did, created basically yes yes then buddhism was created in the same time if you talk about uh, jainism mm-hmm. mahavira who was the 24th tirthankara of the jain like the 24th prophet mhm so uh, jainism came up even though before that time jainism used to exist but it was very much similar and it was completely a part of hinduism mm-hmm. because they had no problem is uh, i mean believing so it was not even identified as a separate religion so maybe we should bring some structure into our talk so first you called about sanata dharma which is basically um the origin of hinduism and hinduism is supposed to be the oldest religion in the world like more than you it reaches more than 5000 years back and from yes. hinduism kind of reformation buddhism and jainism were created maybe or were formed maybe can you um give a small introduction about buddhism and jainism just that people get a little bit idea what these religion are about very brief yes uh, very nice and before i mean before giving you a bit of introduction about buddhism and jainism i would like to uh, you know put some light on this word hinduism the word from where, like how okay. it came from Wait. Sanatana so, dharma so first let's talk about hinduism and then getting to buddhism and jainism because then we have already covered three of the religion which um got yes. created in so india please do so so let's start with 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 hinduism right yeah great okay okay so how it became uh, hinduism uh, when we used to call it sanatana dharma mm-hmm. so sanatana as i told you is the eternal religion and it became hinduism because hindu as a word uh, like hindu it is a geographical identity which was been given to all those people who were living from hind mahasagar mm-hmm. between the hind mahasagar and the himalayas mm mm-hmm. So this was the geographical location between the ocean and the uh, youngest mountain range of the world. Okay. 
so uh, when the foreign uh, foreigners or of that time the people who were doing trade with uh, on the silk route and even before that so they used the word hindu the hindu for all those people who settled themselves on the bank of river indus mhm okay yeah right. that's interesting so the hindi word for river indus is sindhu sindhu right and You can do, can do, can do river. Right. You know what I never understood? I never really yeah. understood the connection between Sindhu with an S and Hindu with an H. Like this S must have gone lost somehow, huh? Yeah, it, normally it happens because uh, there are so many words when uh, the foreigners they came to India, they were trying to call it. For example, we call Ganga. Yes. Right. But if you speak to somebody in English, they say Ganges. It's Ganges. <laughs> okay. From Ganga, from Ganga, it, it's Ganga. From Ganga Ma, it became Ganges. <laughs> okay, good example. I like it. No. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in the same way, from Sindhu, because uh, as we were talking yesterday about the Aryans. Mm-hmm. So the Aryans, with that Aryan invasion philosophy, uh, they, we we believe that with that theory, we believe that the Aryans they settled themselves on the bank of River Indus. Mm-hmm. Okay. From Hindu, from Hindu it became Hindus, and from Hindus it became Hindu. So, uh, Hindu. So what is Hinduism or Sanatana Dharma? What is it about in a nutshell? Yes. So Sanatana Dharma, when we talk about it, is all about uh, the life liberation and the self-realization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is this is what it originally meant. Because as I told you, spirituality was the main uh, thing rather than uh, the daily lifestyle. Even in their daily activities, in their uh, mundane life, I mean, the main focus they used to put on uh, liberation, self-realization. Right. So in Sanatana Dharma, the whole system was created in that way that in the end of the life, people they go beyond the bondage mm-hmm. and they release themselves, which is called mukti. Yeah, that's really beautiful. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm highly so, connected to this just because of my yoga practice. Like uh, it's yes, highly yes. interwoven. I mean, religion, religion was created to make things easier for human beings. Mm-hmm. So that they can attain that ultimate easily, but the problem, uh, what it became, that religion became that much big that nobody could jump out the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It became a big mess. Yes, I so see. It what became you mean. like a you know cobweb of the spider. Once you are trapped inside, it is very difficult to go out. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but Sanatana Dharma was. Like the spider, the web of the spider. It came from the spider, and one day the spider takes it back inside. You mm. know, itself. <laughs> what a beautiful image! So, what is Hinduism now? Hinduism now it has become uh, a bit of everything. Okay, what do you mean by that? Uh, what I mean by that is that is because India has always experienced so many invasions and so many attacks from the foreign rulers and itself in India, as I told you, there were 
more than 500 princely states, kingdoms. So there were the kings fighting with each other. So in that way, as acceptance and tolerance was always there, as you mentioned it, it was a secular idea. Mm-hmm. So everybody was allowed to follow whatever they wanted to follow. So that way, Hinduism conceived many ideas from the uh, foreign uh, lands and the foreign civilizations, and Hinduism introduced so many things. So in when itself, in India, so when um like. We from outside of India and outside of Hinduism think about Hinduism. What we um, believe is, okay, Hinduism, this is like the religion of the millions of gods. Um, uh-uh. we, we think, wow, there are lots of rituals involved and it's very mm-hmm. colorful, um, very bright and very open. Um, let's just very quickly come to this, um, million of gods uh, we will have another uh-huh. podcast talking about it ultimately in hinduism there's only one god right but it's kind of like the different phases um separating or making it like so many deities or how would you say it how would you describe it right okay sarah so this comes under the uh, dimension of devotion yeah because in hinduism in, in, in Hinduism, there are four uh, marg, margas, like the four paths mm-hmm. to attain that ultimate. And devotion is one of them. Okay. That means you are devoted uh, to someone and you create that kind of belief system. Mm-hmm. So in that way, when devotion comes, you make a statue, you make an idol, and you worship that statue or idol. Okay, I see. So this is one way, because in Hinduism, there are so many uh, dimensions for everybody. For example, if you are living a monastic life, your lifestyle should be different. If you are living a lifestyle of a grahastha or a householder, mm-hmm. so you can't just go and sit and meditate and practice yoga every day. You have to deal with the daily things. Okay, I see. So then the path of devotion becomes very easy for you. You do your karma every day. And then you practice uh, your uh, puja, you do your worship, you practice a bit. So that becomes your path of devotion. So that marga or that path is a bit easy for the householders. So that's why you are saying, I mean, we say that there are uh, millions of gods and goddesses. Because the basic thought in Sanatana Dharma was, you can see Shiva in each and everything. And okay. Shiva can disguise himself. Shiva, what I mean to say, Shiva not as a particular god, not a particular statue, but that divine energy. Mm-hmm. Like Brahman? I'm talking about that, uh, yes, yes, okay. like like Brahman, like that ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. So consciousness. he can disguise himself, yes, that consciousness. He can disguise himself in anything. Okay. He can be present in an ant, he can be present in a tree, he can be present in a... In a mouse, he can be present in a human being. So that's why the idea was that if you do not know in which form God is going to disguise himself, so you must bow down in front of everything. I mean, you must respect everything. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, ultimately, we human beings have created religion. But when we talk about the natural law, the whole existence can survive without human beings on this planet. 
Okay, I see. That's really beyond, beautiful. Beyond the limit of the human existence, we have so many things. I mean, the whole system was working very well. But we human beings, we created uh, God, we created religion, we created whatever could be, I mean, uh, convenient for us. Mm-hmm. So, but for God, for that ultimate energy, every soul and every uh, form of uh, life, is equal. You know so what I was also he, reading? I was reading uh, Sanata Dharma is the grandmother of all philosophies. So it seems like philosophies and religion are also very much interwoven or out of philosophies there might have come religion. Would, would you say so? Very, very interesting thing is that when you go back to uh, Sanatana Dharma and when you read about the Puranas, Upanishads, and when yeah, you read about like, the Yeah, so all those books, uh, Sanatana yeah. Dharma is kind of based on, yeah, like Veda. Mm-hmm. So in all these, all this holy literature, you never find a word where, uh, I mean, they are, you know, kind of uh, directing uh, uh, mankind, human beings. Like Manus, they are not saying somebody from India, somebody from uh, maybe Germany, somebody from America. So they are talking about, uh, I mean, the whole universe. They are mm-hmm. talking about the planet. They mm-hmm. are talking about the human existence. So it was for all the human beings. It was for all the human beings. That means that's why I was telling you, you are born as a Hindu. I mean, as a Sanatana Dharma, without any religion. But you become you become a Christian, you become a Jew, you become, I mean, uh, a Sikh, you become a... Because there is a particular ceremony to make mm-hmm. you something. Mm-hmm. So, so in Sanatana Dharma, the uh, dimension is so broad that it takes everything inside. So that's why you use the word, it is like a grandma of all the uh, philosophies and all the religions. Yeah, so tell me in one book, thing. What yeah. was the cause? That then I think 500 before Christi and 900 before Christi, um, the Jainism, why did Jainism and Buddhism got created or was formed out of Hinduism? What was the reason mm-hmm. for that? Okay. So, uh, I mean, very interesting. If you look at other religions, like Buddhism, if you believe, like, uh, look at Jainism, or even if you believe, like, look on the other Western religions, there is a particular date, there is a particular era, and there is a particular prophet mm-hmm. by whom the religion was being mm-hmm. uh, founded. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, if you come back to Sanatana Dharma, there is no date mentioned. You don't see any date when the religion was being founded. Yeah, there's no date, there's founded. no book, there's no no prophet. Yes. It's so interesting actually. Yeah. So that's why they call it a eternal religion. Because it was the work of all those people, all those people like you and me who who, who became a kind of seeker and they experienced life. They went up in the mountains in the Himalayas and they discovered something. Then they wrote the philosophy of yoga, they, they wrote the philosophy of uh, Ayurveda, all, even all the subjects, mm-hmm. all the subjects which were, uh, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, kind of useful for the human life. So this, this was all their experience. 
So there is no concept of a holy book and it was a kind of celestial book which came down and everybody follows it. So it was a tactical thing. Then people like you and me, they are just writing their positive uh, experiences and they are uh, putting it, uh, like making it available for everybody. So, but something must so, have happened in the course of time that it uh, caused prophets like um, from the CF, sorry, from the Jains and from Buddhism, like Buddha, to change something. Yes. Yes, actually, actually, as I told you, there were many misinterpretations, mm -hmm. many people, they got stuck, many people, they got stuck in the kind of idol worship, animal mm -hmm. sacrifice, caste all system. kind of dogmas, yes, yes, mm -hmm. caste, caste system, all these things, which were actually meant for something else, but the whole misinterpretation. Okay. And then... And then people like the great people like Buddha, the great people like uh, Mahavira, Guru Nanakji, even on the later stage recently Mahatma Gandhi, they discovered that, okay, they found the root cause of the problem and they, they never, they never wanted to make a separate religion, but the followers, but the follower of, of Buddha, they made it Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Whereas, Whereas even inside Buddhism also, there are many uh, dimensions and many sects. And people, they are still following the same thing, what you follow in Hinduism. But on the broader way, you see the whole philosophy is different of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. It is like self-realization. Mm -hmm. Buddha, mm -hmm. said, Buddha, he said, you don't have to sit in front of a god. You just have to follow the path, what Buddha has followed. And you can himself, you himself can discover God inside you. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to bow down in front of an uh, object. You you have it inside you. The only thing is that you have to realize it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the same way, Jena, the Mahavira, Mahavira, he he had his own uh, way of thinking. He wanted to have a sattvic way of life. He wanted to minimize probably the tamas guna from the people so that they can attain mukti easily. So these all were the paths. Uh, by all those great uh, philosophers and the great prophets to liberate people from all kind of suffering. So about Jainism, just to get back there, what I know about Jainism, that it's a very peaceful um, religion and that the followers really try to not harm anybody, anything. So... Um, so really, I call them hardcore Jains. They are walking around with a mouth protection. They have kind of a feather broom and brooming um, the streets before walking and before sitting. Can you go a little bit in, more in depth about that? Yes. Uh, okay. So about Jainism, yes, this is uh, this is like if you if you see even in Hinduism, you have the people like uh, you know the. Yesterday we were talking about the third caste, which were the, the Vaishyas. Mm -hmm. They have a bit of similar lifestyle. So Mahavira's idea was, he was uh, a kind of uh, sattvic nature, completely sattvic nature. And he advised people to keep harmony and go with the natural law. As mm -hmm. I told you, because our ego Our ego, the ego of uh, modern human existence is that we believe that we are the most superior uh, beings on the planet and the whole uh, whole system is being created for us. 
whereas for gents it was not true they just made themselves a part of that cosmic chaos all the all the all all the uh, environment and all the the whole thing and this- they accepted themselves as a little part of that they never thought about that they are superior to all so that's mm-hmm. why they respected they they gave respect to each and every form of that uh, creation or that almighty for mm-hmm. example they put a mask uh, but again we have to go back to the time for example in the olden time they had the idea that uh, normally people they used to eat uh, after sunrise or before sunset because mm-hmm. as we had uh, electricity was not available so probably we had a kind of light which is not uh, you know uh, what we have today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so people they preferred to to eat before sunset so that they do not <laughs> eat any insects ah, in ignorance okay or or they used to or they used to walk uh, with a broom in their hands they used to clean it first then they used to go on the pilgrimage yeah so and they didn't want to harm any insects and their diet is also really strict right like it's on one yeah. hand they don't eat onion and garlic to not heat up too much the system but they are also not eating any rooted vegetable to not destroy the whole plant obviously they're vegetarian um yeah. they're yeah. like in india yeah. we have special jain jain restaurants so that the jains can be safe wherever they go that they also can follow their strict diet rules and yes that is yeah. yes um, i wanted to mm. say Ah yeah I was reading one more interesting thing. Um Jains are also these days they're pretty um good businessmen because they were not really uh-huh. allowed to do all the farming work because then again it could happen to to harm animals so they became all really good businessmen and are now one of the richest people um in the whole world. I found this interesting <laughs> just as a side note. Yeah, they made they made they made a good fortune uh, by working on the silk route in the olden times so they never felt the need of uh, farming. Yes. So it, it's not it's not about it's not like they are not allowed to do it because farming is a kind of thing people they do in need. Yeah, so need and I was reading obviously you could harm more insects while doing farming work. Yeah. that is a good logic i think yeah this is a nice uh, <laughs> uh, point on that yes yes so that can be uh, that is also a good reason to uh, avoid uh, agriculture so mm-hmm. uh, yes so gen, gen people they became really they made a good uh, businessman and still if you see in india uh, you know from most of the industrialists and the big there are many people uh, who are more than 25% uh, you know they are the jains and the marwari community mm-hmm. because of their lifestyle they make good money they spend less they do lot of uh, charity and yeah. lot of donations and, and all such things they have these beautiful so, temples as well and they are super clean yeah. and um yeah also they were investing a lot in these temples Okay this was an interesting insight in Jainism do you want to add anything um to Buddhism i think Buddhism came um up a little bit later i think Jainism was like 900 before Christi and Buddhism started with Buddha 500 year before Christi and there's a four noble truth 
Do you know anything about these? Yes. Uh, the 24th Jain, Tirthankara, Mahavira and Buddha, Gautama Buddha, they were of the same time. Mm -hmm. But as I said, uh, Mahavira, he was the 24th Tirthankara. So definitely there were 23 yeah. before. Yeah, okay. So Buddhism came. Buddhism came definitely came a bit later. Ah, yeah, okay. Uh, so the path of the path of Buddha it was completely different. As I said, he was born in a, I mean Sanatana Dharma. He was born in a, uh, I mean in Hindu religion. Mm -hmm. He was born in a like uh, the caste of the Kshatriyas. But he saw so many things which uh, were not going on a right direction in his time. Mm -hmm. So uh, he found it. He he was born like as a prince. Mm -hmm. So he realized that there is something missing in life and uh, he uh, thought, he not exactly thought, but then you come to the whole thing. So we believe that he was the incarnation of Vishnu in Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in Hinduism, we believe, the Hindus believe that Buddha is the ninth incarnation of uh, Lord Vishnu. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very interesting uh, way of it looking, uh, looking of this thing. You know, the the beauty about the Eastern philosophy is that if you see, there was a time when Buddhism came up. One of the greatest uh, emperor Ashoka, when he converted himself in Buddhism, mm -hmm. so it was a great threat to Hinduism. Like the same thing happened in in the West. When Jesus uh, Jesus Christ, he was born in a Jew family. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. True. But but the Christianity came up. Yeah, true. But it's a very interesting thing what happened in uh, in in Eastern uh, way of life and the Western way of life. The Jews they were not happy with the the popularity of Jesus Christ. So yeah. they somewhere. Uh, crucified Jesus Christ and they assassinated, right? Mm -hmm. But the same thing happened here in the Eastern way of life where you see the Brahmins, they were so intelligent that they believed that if you kill someone, someone's physical existence, people, they won't forget it. So they killed the idea. They killed the thought. They said, Buddha, he is part of the Hinduism. So the Hindus, they also started worshipping Buddha. Rather than killing Buddha, they killed the thoughts which were in the mind of the people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, they also adopted Buddhism in Hinduism. That's why, I mean, you see, the, the religion which is born in India, I mean, Nepal, uh, he was born in Nepal, but it was not very far from, it, it was whole the part of the uh, yeah. Indian subcontinent of yes. that time. Yes. But still you see, but still, you see, Buddhism is everywhere, and in India, it is uh, you have you, you don't have more than two percent Buddhists. Yeah, interestingly, so, Buddhism got created in India, but um, then Hinduism kind of pushed it a little bit away, and now Buddhism is all over Asia, but not that much anymore in India. Like there, in few parts of the Himalayas, at the yes. borders and the mountains, where Hinduism probably couldn't reach that well. But even though Buddhism flourished so much, especially under the time of Ashoka, it's then, it's mm -hmm. still a huge religion. It's the fourth biggest religion in the world, but it's not too big in India anymore. Hinduism came back then. Yeah. 
so the reason was that because all the ingredients and all the philosophies what people looking for in buddhism they were available in hinduism mm mm-hmm. so you so you don't have to follow a different religion to uh, um, like to get all those things what you are seeking for okay so what is buddhism in a, in a nutshell we have so four noble truths do you know anything about these so buddhism just um once more explained in a very very brief nutshell so siddhartha gautama once he got enlightened he was named the buddha and there are these three jewels in buddhism this is first the buddha so this basically means to see buddha as a spiritual example then there is dharma the teachings of the buddha and the truth he understood and the third jewel is the sangha this is a community and i was asking ketan a couple of times to mention the four noble truth he kind of managed to avoid them so the first noble truth so the, the truth of buddhism are all existence is dukkha dukkha means suffering the cause of dukkha is craving the longing for more which we always have our wishes inside us the cessation of dukkha comes with the cessation of cravings and the fourth noble truth is there is a path that leads from dukkha so there is a way out from suffering and for that we can follow the noble eightfold path this consists of right understanding or perfect vision right resolve or perfect emotion right speech or perfect speech right action or perfect action number 5 right livelihood or perfect livelihood 6 right effort or perfect effort 7 right mindfulness or perfect awareness and 8 right meditation or perfect samadhi literally to explain buddhism uh, in a proper way we need to have i think a different podcast because podcast because it is uh, such a, a wide uh, subject and uh, yeah we will definitely do yeah we will yes. definitely do but but here definitely buddhism when we are talking about buddhism so buddhism what we say in today's world it's more about it more about you know uh, kind of uh, and uh, moksha enlightenment a freedom a kind of liberation or freedom from bondage mhm bondage and in a that way because in buddhism also then you have uh, mahayana buddhism you have hinayana buddhism you have uh, vajrayana yeah, buddhism so many different in ones different i parts, see yes in different parts of the world we follow different kind of buddhism so when we have you call it uh, the big vehicle and the small vehicle and then you have a bit of tantrikism in buddhism so uh, the buddhism what we have uh, here in in india also you can have all kind of uh, dimensions of buddhism we can find here but in tibet uh, guru rinpoche padma sambhava when in around 11th century he went to tibet he started this vajrayana system which is uh, from where i mean uh, in the whole this tantrikism idea came up so mm-hmm. in the same way in the hinayana it is a kind of uh, the orthodox way of thinking 
these all are the literal words of buddha and okay. then in mahayana they added some modern thoughts as well because your mind can conceive ideas as buddha he was not very much rigid with that so he always invited the new modern innovations and ideas as well so in mahayana you see uh, you have the modern ideas and the innovations as well but in hinayana we believed all those old uh, thoughts all the 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 preachings of buddha only so oh. you have the certain countries which are following hinayana and then you have the certain countries which are following mahayana and yeah, uh, definitely it is like madrayana that goes very very much in depth for sure so we should make another podcast episode out of this um yeah. okay so the last religion then, okay sorry yeah keep going yes 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 i was also coming to the same point actually the last religion what we were talking about is the uh, sikhism yes thank you <laughs> great so yes sikhism is also very interesting i mean in the olden time because people they dealt uh, with with the problems in their own way at the mm-hmm. time of buddha and mahara mahavira we had the problems of different level but at the time of uh, guru nanak ji and guru gobind ji at the time of uh, uh, sikhism we had uh, also uh, islam in india because uh, the invasion of the muslim rulers that happened in 10th and 11th century and after that uh, buddhism uh, sikhism was uh, founded Uh, mm-hmm. somewhere in 14th uh, century and mm-hmm, all by mm-hmm. guru nanak ji mm-hmm. and uh, after that guru gobind ji at the time of guru gobind ji the tenth sikh guru it actually came up uh, it became very much uh, important for the whole society okay because because at that time uh, there was forceful conversion happening to convert people from hinduism and other religions to islam mm-hmm, okay so that was the time when sikhism became very much popular whereas the guru like guru gobind singh ji he invited and he announced among the families of the hindus that they must give him uh, one son from their family or he asked for the volunteers he created an army to protect people okay and so it was a kind of uh, justice he wanted to give uh, to the people and it was uh, it was a kind of uh, his way of uh, dealing with the problem but guru nanak ji who was the founder of the religion yes he saw there were many problems in hinduism and islam mhm like what kind of problems in I mean, again, the same kind of issues. There were so many rituals happening in the Hindu family, okay, okay. and there were so many problems in Islam religion as well. Like there are the kind of, you know, the, uh, because Guru Nanak ji he also came from uh, that part of uh, Punjab, which is in Pakistan now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it used to be Hindustan on those times. So he had all those uh, problems. So he thought, I mean, people they are just. Uh, wasting their life in all these uh, these uh, manipulated uh, rules and regulations yeah, and laws right 
so he that's why he tried to enlighten people with his own way he believed that karma is one of the most important thing in our life mm-hmm. because in hinduism when you see the life was divided in four parts four parts i mean you have the four stages in life mm-hmm. yes i heard when about you have it. people who are yes when you have people who are uh, people going to whatever they like So Maybe you can just, um, Kitten, just name the four stages of life for the listeners who are maybe not so much aware of it. The four stages of life here is, for example, uh, the ideal life was uh, being taken as a hundred years. So twenty-five years that was a kind of balavasta, which is your childhood, mm-hmm. when you are going to a school, you are going to a particular guru school. Yes. and then you have the the stage of uh, grahastha then you became a kind of high, a householder mm-hmm. yeah. then you have to do all the householding things and all then you have manapravastha uh, so in that you also uh, i mean it's a kind of uh, uh, the time when you are looking after uh, your you know kind of uh, householding things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. your grandchildren if you have if you have i mean some uh, duty you have some duty towards your own family or society so you go through all those duties and then in the end you go for sanyasa so when all your household duties and all your social duties are being fulfilled then you go on a pilgrimage and then you are i mean you are ready to leave your uh, soul you are ready for the mukti or liberation yes okay so, so these are the four those, stages <laughs> These are the four stages in a life, basically. Yes, 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 yes. These are the uh, these are the four stages of life, and uh, yeah. And what uh, I like to so to get back to um, Guru Nanak, I liked he said that um, people should balance their work, their worship, and their charity, which is very beautiful. And then he said, God is also everywhere present, so there is no real need of temple, mosque, and churches. So this is kind of yes, his reformation. And let's get a little bit more in depth about Sikhism, because it's a really interesting religion. We have all seen um, these Sikhs with their turbans, and we know about the Golden Temple. I think in total there were... Um, Ten gurus, right? And then there was also the the holy book, Guru mm-hmm. Granth Sahib, and this is the Guru holy Granth book Sahib. of the Sikhs, which they are following, and which they always read out aloud, or they're basically singing it in their gurudwaras. These are basically their places of worship, and gurudwaras are also the places where people from everyone can come to get food and shelter, which is also very very beautiful. Yes. Yeah, that is a kind of it's a very uh, great way of life of uh, the Sikhs and the great work of all the ten Sikh gurus mm-hmm. in Guru Granth Sahib. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, the big problem what we see in today's religion is that that the manipulation and the misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. And the gurus, the Sikh gurus, they were aware about that problem. It may occur in future. So they said. This is the work of ten gurus, and Guru Granth Sahib is the are the. This is the work of all the ten gurus. Yes. So, 
after year and then guru granth sahib became the holy book mhm and what so, about the five case like there are these five um beliefs of the sikhs it's i yeah. think long okay. hair a comb um undergarment a steel bracelet and a knife this is always what they're carrying along with them can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that okay before that first i think i would like to elaborate a bit uh, the word uh, uh, sikh okay sure why they Sure, go for why it. they believe in why they believe in a guru okay cool. guru as you know guru is like it's a sanskrit word and it is made up of uh, two uh, like two words you know gu and ru mhm gu when you talk about gu that is a kind of obscurity and a darkness mm-hmm. and ru is light so from darkness to light so the, yes from darkness to light from obscurity to light so mm-hmm. the person who brings you who shows you who enlightens you is a guru okay. and seek the word seek means student it means what sir seek seek means student i mean student if you are uh, a student of uh, a guru ah okay a okay okay a student okay teacher mm-hmm. yes. yes so all the seek they are the great Sishyas or the students of the great gurus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they follow the teachings. They follow the teachings of their guru, gurus, and this is how they organize everything in this uh, world. So all Sikhs are basically the students, the students yes. of all life. Yes. All Sikhs are basically yes, the students, and uh, learning is a big process for them, and they follow. all the principles and all the rules and all the preachings of the guru hmm which is uh, yes so these five cases you were talking about these are the uh, the vows which were taken actually when guru gobind singh ji he was making the seek mm-hmm. as i told you to protect the dharma to protect the religion to protect the righteousness mm-hmm. at that time when he was making the seek so they took the oaths or they took the vows to keep those five things to become a real seek which are the five cases mm-hmm. cage, so uh cash which are the hair on your head and kala which is a kind of bracelet sanga which is a comb and kacha which is a kind of uh, special uh, short or underwear you can see and then uh, come on kapan uh, which is a dagger mhm so why yes. don't see so why do they not cut their hair this is a, i mean it is a very interesting question and there are so many reasons i'm not sure <laughs> okay sikhism what is the reason but i mean i have thought uh, a bit about uh, this question yeah because when you are talking when you are aligning yourself with the natural law mhm so it's nature it's nature ah, okay. and it's nature you know so you keep nature. the nature as it is as it is as okay it is. Because, beautiful because 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 nature has given you everything logically and sensibly 
So why to cut it away, right? So why to cut it away? <laughs> only, 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 only distractions are made by the people who are cutting their hair, not by the people who are kicking them. <laughs> That's example, so nice. For example, if you see, for example, if you see women, they don't get uh, this beard, you know, mm-hmm. because there is only men. So they believe that it's a natural thing, and we should not uh, disturb the nature. Okay, okay. Whereas, 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 even in India, you see there are certain uh, in other religion, for example, in Buddhism, uh, the Buddhist monks they shave their heads. They uh, so they are offering everything. Mm-hmm. They are off- offering everything back to, and they are renouncing. That means hairs are also uh, believed as a kind of treasure. Treasure you mean to say it beautifies a woman in a way, and so it is a kind of treasure. When you have hair on your head, you want to dress them in a certain way. You want to look beautiful, and you want to. So when a Buddhist monk, they just renounce the world. Mm-hmm. They don't have. They don't put much focus on the external beauty. Yeah, you so know what? What I also like what is said about um, Sikh people. They, it said uh-huh. they are widely accepted in India as hardworking, happy-go-lucky people. So they're really yeah. happy people. They do can do all kind of works. They do lots of charity, and um, they also enjoy life. I've seen lots of um, <laughs> joyful um, Sikhs actually. I've met a lot of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is true. I mean, it is a great service to mankind. It is a great service to mankind. It's yeah, I think it's a golden life. temple. Thousands of people get fed daily, right? And I remember when yes, I was there, they have these huge, huge pots where they cook meals. It's um, incredible, honestly. Yes. Um, that is true. I mean, mm-hmm. even even there is a lot of uh, poverty you see in India, but you never, I mean, uh, see uh, a Sikh who is begging. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so they, they work. They work hard. They work hard. I mean, they they believe in karma, as I said. They believe in I mean, karam pradhan. I mean, work is uh, work is worship. Mm-hmm. So you work hard. I mean, you you do good to others, and uh, serving uh, man is serving mankind or serving God. So mm-hmm. service to man is service uh, to God is for the Sikh community, and in India, I mean, uh, even as from the Hindu background, most of the Sikhs they come from the Kshatriya caste. So mm-hmm. you can see the presence of Sikh in Indian army is a lot. Yeah, they are also these tall, so, strong so, people, huh? Yes, 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 yes. And so they eat, they eat all kind of food, and uh, <laughs> it is a very, it is a yeah, it is a uh, all kind of food. I mean, they everything. Uh, I mean, they live a life according to the modern point of view. Mm-hmm. Ketan, let's sure. move on to the Islam because Islam is like the uh, second biggest group of um, people following a religion in India with over 14% and Islam is a religion which doesn't originate in India it comes from outside tell yeah. us a little bit more about that you already mentioned a little bit um, like around 14th, 15th century and I think even earlier around 12th, 13th century and this was also then the time when Sikhism came up but maybe um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about this religion right. so Islam it is uh, 
kind of uh, second biggest religion now in India. And India is a country where you have the population of the Muslim, which is the second second largest uh, population of the mm-hmm. Muslim in the mm-hmm. world after after Indonesia and India. So Islam came uh, in India um, even before the 10th century as the Arab traders with the Arab oh, yeah, traders right, and all. Right, true. Yeah. So with the trading, the first thing was like came uh, to the trading routes and all. But the first invader uh, who came to India was uh, in uh, 10th century. Mm-hmm. But after that, so many invaders they came to India. They used to come to India and then they used to, I mean, destroy temples and things and all. And they then they used to go back. But in 1526, in 16th century. Mughal Empire was being stabilized by uh, Babur, who was a Mughal. Mm-hmm. So, and the Mughals they became part of uh, India. I mean, they became they uh, they became themselves their own caliphs. They had no they had no leader on the top. Mm-hmm. They had no one to uh, yes report. For example, before that, because Islam used to work from Central Asia from where Islam uh, being started, uh, originated in the Middle East. So they used to have a Khalifa on the top. Okay, I see. Then they used to send, then they used to send uh, different uh, rulers to rule different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But Mughals in 16th century, they started their own administration. They founded the uh, Mughal Empire. And the Mughals, they became very much popular in India because they adopted some of the local uh, Indian culture. They became, they, it was a big mix of uh, India. Yeah, the they became way. Indians themselves, kind of. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, in a big way, in a big way. Uh, not everything, but in a big way. So, mm-hmm. in the same way, when Islam came, Islam came with uh, the different uh, reasons in India. With Islam, uh, Sufism also came in. Mm-hmm. Sufism, which was again a bit like uh, reaching to the God by their own way of dancing, music and all things, and which is a great mix of uh, uh, Islam, Hinduism and uh, Sikhism okay. on the later time period. Okay. But Islam, when came in, uh, when Islam, because in Islam there is a lot of conversion also happened in India, because Yesterday we were talking about uh, most of the re- religions in India. We have different religions, but internally, most of the things and rituals are very similar. Yes, I feel so like every most, every yes. religion is mixing up a little bit with the other religions in India. So adopting rituals yes. and habits, following even following different um, gods. Like um, I know Hindus, they are following Buddhism, and Buddhists will also pray to the or go to a Jain temple. It's really interesting. Yeah, that is the beauty. That is the beauty about uh, this land. Yes, yes it's amazing. So, so about uh, Islam, there, there was a lot of uh, forceful uh, conversion and voluntary conversions also happened at the time of uh, Islam. So that is the reason when I told you Sikhism also came up uh, when they saw some of the problems. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. with Islam, when with with Islam, a lot of things changed in India as well. 
there is a lot of food which came from outside i mean different kind of food and they adopted the local thing so it became a kind of big cultural mix mm-hmm. in india mm-hmm. which became a kind of uh, positive thing also for india as we have uh, so many different things we adopted so many different things and so many good things from india they went outside so it was it is a great mix uh but about islam what we see but even in islam you have all the dimensions which came to india for example in india the majority of the people they are the sunni mm-hmm. then we have the people who are the shias as well and uh, there are the ahmadiyas i mean the different uh, the different sects in islam mm-hmm. and, and everybody they do not have much problem here whereas if you see in some of the countries our neighboring countries you see if the majorities of sunnis then shias are really having a bad time and the ahmadiyas are having bad time whereas in india they have a kind of a freedom that everybody can fight for their own right mhm yeah unfortunately so i feel like um like india is such a friendly country especially in between religions but still there always seems something to to go on between hindus and muslims and um i mean especially just recently there were lots of demonstrations and not so great things happening among them there's always a little bit tension i fear i think yes and i think uh, when we are we are living in in the modern times and it is a international issue now mhm it is it, it has become an international issue even in india india is following also uh, in one way it is following west a lot mm. so for the, sure I yes i mean the problem what are the problems happening in the west the problems are between uh, islam and christianity so in india because we have less christians so there are problem between islam and hindu yeah so I and i mean international it has I mean it's not for nothing that India got separated right and Bangladesh and Pakistan got created so no it has to do a lot as well it has to do a lot with that ideology as well because uh, it is again it's a it's a long uh, story i mean there are so many things there are so many things behind that for sure because uh, when when we when when in india they are talking about akhand bharat akhand bharat i mean to say Uh, that undivided uh, india bharat mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which was bangladesh pakistan india and even afghanistan once upon a time mm-hmm. so india has already uh, lost a lot of territory and there are still fights going on to divide india on a smaller scale so that's why now people they are becoming a bit insecure about whatever happened uh, in past it yeah. may occur in future as well i see i see as, as the population of some of the extremist uh, people in islam mm-hmm. not everybody but there are the groups who are working who are mm-hmm. getting funding from uh, abroad and they are they are working on their missions to destroy you know the culture and the economic stability of the country that's why problems are coming and even even the hindus uh, the hindus are becoming a bit 
more because probably this is happening for uh, there is a fear factor is also now yeah and then politics as again are involved so much right there's a lot of history as well if you see a lot damage has already been done to india so yes, people they are I becoming think. more aware that no further damages mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on geographical on geographical ways on culture on education if you see uh, in the olden time uh, india was the country where you had the oldest universities of the world mm-hmm. which are nalanda and takshila mm-hmm. so the ideology in islam is completely different mm-hmm. if anything if anything is not islamic you destroy it mm-hmm. this is a very clear thought This yeah, I know, thought. and we can see it all over India. Like wherever we go to some monuments, and we can see like temples yeah, being destroyed, and yeah, see, yeah, you can see all this destruction which has happened from thousands of years. So people they are they are becoming more aware about preserving the things. They don't want uh, something uh, which is uh, not bad must be destroyed. So that is why the conflicts are going on. I think it is it is. Uh, Uh, it can only stop when people they raise their consciousness level and they reach mm-hmm. they they jump this uh, uh, they go beyond the religion. And But still, and still, you know, Ketan, like same what we talked about when we discuss the caste system. I feel like um, politics also play a huge, huge role and. Also, together votes again. Like there are political parties who only target then their religious groups, and then Hindus are against Muslims, Muslims are against Hindus, and it definitely plays a role as well. That is true. I think uh, politics has really uh, played <laughs> major role. In, yes, in, in so many things, actually. Yeah, obviously. In everything. I mean. In everything. And Ketan, let's move to um, the two more uh, religions, just very, very brief, because we have obviously also Christianity, 2.3% in India. And then there is one uh-huh. religion, I can't even pronounce it properly. It's called Zoroastrianism. Um, it comes Zoro- from it is like from the Parsi background comes uh, originally from like Iran um, they are the Persian countries and interestingly yeah. um, it's the largest population now of them in India even like it's tiny tiny only several thousands but still the largest population of them is in India and I think most of them are around Mumbai And um, mm-hmm. they have this really interesting um, tradition, like I think the dead bodies um, are taken then by um, vultures, right? Is that right? Yeah, they, by... cut, uh, they, they cut, they, they cut their dead bodies into pieces and they like to feed them to the birds on the open oh, yeah, areas yeah. and all. Yeah. So, yes. So, yeah, definitely we do have uh, Christianity and all the dominations of uh, Christianity in India. And then you have uh, Jews also, Judaism. Right. Uh, You might have have visited uh, synagogues. uh, In Kochi, Fort Kochi. Yeah, in Kochi, there are in Mumbai, in Chennai, Mm. there are Mm -hmm. synagogues and all. And definitely there's Jorosians and Jorosians as well. And you know what? I... 
I thought yeah. Christianity only came um, through the Portuguese and through the British when there were the colonies. But actually, Christianity already um, came like, I think, 50... In 52 AD. Yes. Tell us more about that. In 52, in 52 AD, the, the one of the apostles of Jesus Christ, St. Mm. Thomas, mm. he visited Chennai in uh, 52 AD. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, so Christianity has a long came, tradition in India, a long history. Yeah, it is. Yeah, India, India is a land where uh, actually history, history was being probably started. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had the trade connections. They had the. That's why I'm saying because we, when we are writing the history, we are writing something which is 400 year old, 500 year old, 600 year old. But India has a history which is thousands of year old, which is uh, 7,000 year old even before that. And mm. this thing you can see uh, with some of the old symbols, what you see in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. right. Symbolism is very important to identify all those things. Mm -hmm. So the beauty about this land is that every religion from the old time to the modern time, India has always been a land which has welcomed everybody, all those people who are in need. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was the time. There were so many people from uh, even from Eastern Europe, uh, the countries like you know Lebanon and all Jordan, all these kind of uh, people. They used to come here for business. Mm -hmm. But the major influx of Christianity happened in India when, uh, at the time of. Uh, Definitely, uh, when the Portuguese they came in, the Dutch people they came in, and then the uh, English people they came yeah, in. Yeah, I see. Uh, so with that, yes, uh, the major. Uh, and I just read you as missionaries in the 18th century as well. <laughs> so from yeah. all over, from the U.S. even missionaries came to India. Keaton. Uh -huh. That was a very, very beautiful talk. I learned so much and I think everyone gained a really nice overview about the, the religiousness of India. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.